AI Mentors is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting and networking needs. Our podcast, AI Mentors, hosted by Mark Kelly, brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI Mentors cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. Hello, welcome to another episode of AI Mentors. I'm your host, Mark Kelly. Today I'm joined by Keith Santorelli. Keith's gonna talk us through his background in applied mathematics and the challenges that come from moving academia to industry. And later, Keith will give us a real life practical application of AI, where he shares with us how he used the sensors in your mobile phone to detect road accidents in real time. Stay tuned to listen to Keith and subscribe to the podcast. Without further ado, AI Mentors podcast with Keith Santorelli. So Keith, tell us a little bit about your background and kind of the industry that you kind of you find yourself in now and just kind of making the move from academia to industry. Sure, sure. Uh, so my background is in applied mathematics. That's was what I uh, studied when I was in school. And, um, you know, I've always been very interested and fascinated by the ways that you can use mathematical modeling and statistics to actually make a, a real world impact. So when you know, I started out my, uh, my career post-academia, I was a, a signal processing engineer in the uh, defense sector for many years. So you know, I worked on a, a number of problems that were of uh, critical importance to national security. And that was great. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of important stuff that people in the government sector do to keep us safe on a daily basis. But it was, it was a little bit tough for me, um, just by virtue of the top secret nature of the work. Uh, it's often tough to actually see where a lot of these things are going and to tangibly see the effect that they're making. And, and for me personally, I'm motivated by, you know, seeing my work in action, I guess. Uh, so, you know, a few years back, I decided to investigate options in the private sector. And so that's what led me to investigate data science type positions. And it's a very natural fit given the, given the background that I have. So, you know, basically signal processing is just, they just call it time series uh, analysis in the data science world. And there's, um, you know, there's a, lot of different, uh, a lot of different avenues for people with that type of background. So, you know, I, I can work in finance, I can work in the insurance industry, which is basically the industry I work in now, marketing, you name it. So it's a, it's a jump that I'm happy that I made. So in terms of the industry that I work in now, so the, the company that I work for, Ajero, is the largest provider of roadside assistance throughout North America. So, you know, basically, if you have some sort of, a, you know, roadside package through your insurance company, you get stuck on the side of the road and you call your insurance company, there's about an 80 to 90% chance that you're actually talking to one of our, our call center agents. We're the people who actually, you know, are the, the intermediaries between you and the tow truck providers for you to get where you're going, get your car fixed, all of that. So we do about 10 million dispatches per year throughout North America. So this is a business that's been around for about 40 years or so. And I'd say about if three to five years back, uh, the company made a concerted decision to try to get more into the mobile telematics space. Some of the types of exciting things that we're working on right now is we're trying to use the sensors that are inside of your cell phone to do some 
uh, to do some important things. Uh, so one thing that you know a colleague of mine developed is uh, an algorithm for detecting accidents in real time. So you know if you get into a get into an accident and you know if it's a bad one, God forbid. But if you get knocked unconscious, the idea here is that if we can detect that accident in real time, then we can call nine one one for you and get somebody out there to help you without having to um, without having to do it yourself. So it's a technology that's really about saving lives that, that's fantastic because that, that has an impact that can actually improve already. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and so many much of the challenges is trying to find a problem that's worthy to solve and that's that's got a real life uh, uh solution so there's probably some challenges to overcome to, to kind of go on that journey oh absolutely i mean the there's a whole bunch of technical challenges uh in and of themselves in terms of, you know, accidents are just so, they're so rare in terms of just the number of, uh, they're a rare event in terms of daily trips that people make, right? You know, the company back at the end of 2016 made a concerted effort to do a very large data collection. So we, we put out an app called MileUp that many people still use. And it basically provided points essentially for people to exchange for things like gift certificates and whatnot in exchange for being able to measure some information about people while they were driving. So uh, you know, I'm not allowed to disclose the, the actual you know, total number of miles that we collected, but it was, it was a lot. We also got uh, a very large number of accidents that people verified for us. And that was really super important for, uh, for our training sets that we had to develop for, for these accident detection algorithms. Because prior to that, you know, we had to kind of simulate things in, uh, in sort of an academic way, you know, where uh, we had gone to a lab and we tried to simulate a bunch of car crashes. And that was good for developing a, a first cut prototype, but there are just a lot of things that you really can't measure unless you have data from a real accident itself. There's just no substitute. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, that's very, very hard to replicate as much as you try to kind of go, go on that journey. You know, it's, it's very, very difficult uh, kind of to, to, to do that. Tell us a little bit about kind of, for you, it actually sounded pretty straightforward, but kind of engaging with data scientists every day and kind of sort of the trends that you kind of notice where people are kind of making that transition from academia into the world of kind of industry and the, the kind of the journey that it isn't always kind of a straightforward uh, kind of journey that people necessarily kind of go on and maybe your some of your thoughts about uh, kind of building a data science team and, and kind of where that kind of uh, uh, kind of could be improved sure sure uh, yeah as you say transitioning from an academic world to an industrial world is often not a very easy thing to do you know, I mean, I think academia, particularly for people who are, who are getting PhDs, you're in these programs for, you know, a fairly lengthy period of time, four, five, six years. And what you're really taught is to have this razor sharp focus on a very particular problem and to solve all of the ins and outs. And unless you do that, like you are not considered successful at all. In the business world, there is much more value in being able to to balance you know, multiple projects and having some breadth instead of having just that full depth. You know, from time to time, it just happens that projects in the business world have up and down cycles. You know, for instance, I've had to take a little bit of a break from some of the mobile telematics stuff that I've been, that I've been working on for the past couple of months while we're actually kind of working out some of the details with, our, uh, with new contracts with some of our, um, 
some of our clients and have had to shift a bit more into uh, doing some, uh, some work in uh, customer experience, basically. Trying to figure out ways that we can actually harvest data that we can measure to, uh, to improve customer experience for people who are stuck on the side of the road. So the point there being that you have to be able to, um, you have to be able to apply your skills to a broader set of problems and to be able to learn to context switch from time to time. And I think, I think that can be challenging for people who are first, um, first coming out of a PhD degree. It can take a little bit of time. Uh, I think one of the things that makes that easier in the long run is learning to be a, a good documenter so that uh, if somebody comes to you one day and says, you know, I know you've been, you're in the middle of working on this really important thing, but I need you to drop that for a few weeks, you know, a really well-documented Jupyter notebook can go a really long way, you know, in a month or two when you decide to come back and just say, God, I don't even remember what I was doing. What was I doing on this? Do, 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 do you know what? It's such a good point. And I always feel sorry for the people that go into work a little bit earlier to get their headspace together, write out their notes. And it's like, ah, it's like, bam. Oh, I saw you're in the car park. Hey, I want to grab you. For <laughs> Four months later, you go back to that project and you come out of that Alice in Wonderland kind of rabbit hole. Yeah, it happens to everyone, right? Yeah. Uh, and like, you know? you know, good documentation is just so important because it allows you just to pick right back up and understand the context and what's there as well. So that's, that's really, really good. Here at Aldous, we want to make the hiring process easier for all. Whether you're an employer or an aspiring employee, we have the service for you. For full-time work, Aldous will partner with you to find the best person for the position. Using both our network and our rigorous qualification process, we ensure that only the best talent is shortlisted. We will manage the process and work with you to select our most suitable candidate for your organisation. We also offer excellent temp hiring services. At Aldous, we provide a great opportunity to help you and our candidate make the right choice. The contract period is one long interview for your full-time opening and the extended experience with our consultant helps you make the best decision. Aldous International is here to quickly help you find the best AI candidate. Our experts stay in close contact with our consultants throughout the duration of the contract, ensuring they have everything they need to get the job done. Tell us a little bit about the importance of investigation kind of how you kind of interview kind of candidates and advice on that as well, because we were kind of talking a little bit about off air and how challenging it can be to decipher who's a very good data scientist, who's not, the, the role, the title is so vague, it's so it's so wide ranging, so it's like herding cats in some ways. Yes, very much so, yeah. Tell us a little bit your thoughts on that. Yeah, so that's a really important question because I think... I think interviewing, well, interviewing for scientific and engineering roles in general, I think is extremely difficult. Historically, you know, the tools that we tend to, or the ways that we tend to do this, at least in, in all the places that I've been in the past, there's, there's a couple common. So one is you ask somebody to come in and give a presentation on, on a project that they worked on in the past. And I think that that is a great tool. It does tell you a lot about a person's communication skills. It can tell you a little bit about their rigidity. Sometimes if people start asking questions that, uh, uh, if you know, people in the audience start asking questions that press a little bit upon the assumptions that the person is making and they don't tend to react well to that, then you learn a little bit about their personality and maybe how much of a team player they are. But a lot of times these talks can be orthogonal to the types of problems that you, or the specific types of problems that you want that person to solve for you. 
And if you don't really have a whole lot of background in, in what that person is doing, it can be a little bit hard to tell like, well, did this person do a good job or not? I don't really have enough background to know that. So that's one way that we do this. Another is that we will ask people some, some very canned questions, you know, just some very basic questions about like, you know, tell me what you know about linear regression, filtering techniques, or nearest neighbors clustering, you know, just kind of give them some simple questions about that. And that's also good in a sense because you at least learn kind of the, the very basic tools that people are familiar with, which is important too. But none of these really get to how good of a problem solver somebody is. And I think particularly for, for both data science and data engineering types of roles, you want people who are, who are good problem solvers. I, you know, I tend to interview more for people who are more on the data science end of the spectrum. But you know, one of the things that I think that makes a good data scientist is just being able to ask good questions and just good basic questions. Uh, you know, so one of the things I like to try to figure out is if I, if I give somebody uh, a new situation, are they able to just start asking some questions to, so that they can start painting a better picture of a scenario for themselves to help understand what it is I'm trying to ask? So a lot of times when I am interviewing people, and this is probably going to sound kind of mean, but I usually try to give them a question that I'm pretty sure they're not going to be able to figure out, you know, with it, you know, at least incompleteness within the time frame that we that we have to talk about it. And um, you know, I mean, some people do that because they're self-aggrandizing and they want to, you know, assert their intellectual superiority over others. And I, I, I think that you should run away from environments like that. But I'm usually pretty upfront about this. So you know, one of the things I I was asking people recently when we were interviewing for a new a new junior data scientist was I gave them a problem that I spent about about three weeks kind of trying to figure out. And I was very upfront about it. You know, I just said, you know, this is something that I was working on a year or two ago when I first started. It took me about two or three weeks to figure out. So I'm not looking for any definitive solutions here. I'm really just kind of looking to, um, to see the things that you, uh, I just want to hear your thoughts. Like, how would you approach this? What are some of the things that you might think about? And that does ha tend to um, separate people into two, into two pools. So people who I think do have good problem solving skills, they'll immediately just start asking me some questions back to try to understand better. I give them some information, but you know, they'll be like, well, I don't entirely understand. Can you tell me more about this? What about this? Is, does this seem like a reasonable assumption? You know, are there other types of data that I might have access to? Versus um, there are a lot of other people when you, when you put them in this situation, they'll just kind of immediately shut down. You know, they'll try to throw like a canned answer or two at you or are just kind of like, I don't know. So, 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 so Keith, what you're saying is you're not looking for them to actually answer the question. You just want to see their approach to the question. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, geniuses ask great questions, right? And they really understand the problem they're trying to solve rather than actually just going and trying to solve that problem straight away. Yeah. Gathering all the information and the data. and Sometimes it can be 90% of your time. Yeah, really trying to figure out what you're trying to solve can be about 90% of your time. Um, yeah. And, you know, no, it, throughout your career, you're never, you're basically never going to solve the same problem twice. You're always going to have to come up with, with new yeah. solutions to new problems that you get. So that type of agility, I think, is something that's important to, uh, to screen for. Okay. So you're listening to AI Mentors. My name is Mark Kelly. And today we're speaking to Keith Santorelli. Keith is a data science R&D team lead at Agero in Boston, 
Keith, so we've been talking about a little bit about your background, making the move and transition from academia to industry, some of the challenges that kind of pose on that, uh, your favorite type of interview question, the challenge with actually hiring data scientists, and just the importance of questions and context and understanding the, the key rationale behind the problem that you're trying to solve to really kind of save you time and energy kind of later as well. And also just the kind of the investigation and the kind of the, the, the way you kind of go about things too. We also talked a little bit about the importance of documentation and having context and kind of keeping in consideration and that everything you need to do is to document and help other people as, as well. Is there any other kind of piece of advice you'd kind of share from your experience working in the field of data science, business analytics, and engineering over the last uh, several years? I guess one of the other things that uh, I think is very important for people to, to develop is a good set of communication skills to non-technical audiences. You know, again, this is something that can be challenging for people coming out of an academic career where, you know, your sole focus is supposed to be on the technical problems and communicating that you have made a very solid new technical contribution to your, to your field. That still is an important skill set to be able to communicate amongst your data science peers or other science and engineering professionals to let them know kind of the, the guts about what you're doing and convincing them that what you're doing is reasonable. But there's also just a set of skills in being able to communicate the business value of the types of things that you're, that you're working on. You know, as an example, uh, something that I was working on about, uh, I guess about a year ago, uh, was to try to develop an algorithm that figures out whether somebody is the driver of a particular trip or is a passenger. And one of the things that is fundamental to that problem is uh, we have to figure out the orientation of the cell phone in relation to the car. Because otherwise, if you don't know the orientation of the phone, then you can't really tell what direction it happens to be moving. So when I was developing that algorithm and I was talking to my my data science teammates, you know, I, I had a set of slides that talked about um, a lot of the technical details and like it's, you know, it's a quadratic optimization problem that has a semi-analytic solution and all those sorts of things. But when I move more to the business end of things, I tend to talk more about, not about the details of how it's designed, but what we can actually do with it as a business. So, uh, I, you know, as a, for instance, another application that we have from this is being able to do, um, to reconstruct the scene of an accident to some degree. So one of the things that we're trying to do with the same orientation algorithm is to figure out the direction of impact, um, direction of initial impact when an accident happens. Were you rear-ended? Were you hit from the front? Uh, that type of thing is, is important for um, multi-car impact types of situations. And we want to be able to provide our insurance company, our insurance companies uh, tools for actually figuring out exactly what happened so that they can determine who's at fault. So when I'm talking more, more to the, the higher level business people or preparing presentations for external clients, the focus is much more on what is it that I can do with this technology. You give them a little sort of insight into into how it's developed, but you focus on the business impact. Yes. So, so, you, so, and that's the important because, and that kind of comes back to maybe moving from academia is you need to understand that you now have core KPIs. Then, unless the business sees a return on investment in it, there is no justification for you in this job. You know, exactly. Yeah. And, and as harsh as that sounds. There, there is no justification unless the business can see rationale and benefits and efficiencies and productivity and ROI from, from that aspect. 
So it's really having that mindset uh, from kind of day one and understanding that context. Uh, Keith Santorelli, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks so much. Pleasure to be here. Get the Aldous Advantage. Become a member of the Aldous community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all us members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career and more. Become an Aldous member and get the Aldous advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldous.com. That's www.aldous.com. Aldous International, empowering through AI.